travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 53, Nepal, one year plus post-earthquake. On April 25th, 2015, a massive 7.8 earthquake hit Nepal, centered in the Gorkha region of the country, midway between Kathmandu and Pokhara, killing more than 8,000 people. It left countless numbers without homes, and it was the most powerful quake to hit the area since the big one there in 1934. And then a second major quake of 7.3 shook the country on May 12th, leaving residents in even worse shape. On May 31st, 2015, we posted a special episode of Talk Travel Asia, Traveling Nepal Post-Earthquake with Mass Matthiasen. This was one of our more popular episodes, and we're following that one up today, chatting again with Mass about how the country is faring so far. So this is Scott Coates from Bangkok, and I'm joined by my trusty co-host as always... Hey, Scott. Trevor Ranges here. Hey, Trevor Ranges. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. And I always enjoy that we can record more of these together now that we're both living in Bangkok. Yeah, and I'm glad to have Matt's back on. Uh, when we did this episode a year ago, I honestly didn't know about Nepal's geography. I didn't know how diverse the terrain was. I didn't know all the different types of things there were to do. But I did know quite a bit about earthquakes. And so I thought it was important that we let people know that, you know, while Kathmandu and, and some of that mountainous region had undergone some serious damage a lot of the country was mostly unaffected yeah um, yeah yeah you know and uh, my wife and i went in there uh, in december 2015 i'd been probably a dozen times she had never been and we were looking for something to do for holiday and i said you know what everyone's saying the best thing you can do is to go and spend money and travel so we went and well in Kathmandu and the neighboring capital Patan I mean there were towers crumbled in the main Durbar which are the old royal squares but aside from that you know she kept asking me a lot like oh was this like that before and was this like that before and honestly the areas we went you know outside of Pokhara and around the capital we kept it kind of a softer trip I don't think the average traveler would know that there was an earthquake really so it was definitely I was surprised it didn't look that much different and and it was as safe as it ever is and so forth yeah you know and and my perspective was at the time that you know this country obviously does rely on tourism to a large degree and you know catastrophes like this always end up with like a decline in tourism but one of the ways you could help was by returning to the country and and visiting them and and you know giving them your economic and moral support right and because it's such a diverse country and there's the jungles uh, and there's the coast right mm. um people don't know about that and i i hope that people would go there particularly when there are less visitors because i think it's better to go to a place when there's fewer people going um, and you might have ended up having a better experience. So I hope some of our listeners did get a chance to go to Nepal um, in the past year. And if not, hopefully after talking to Matt's today, he can uh, paint a picture of what the recovery has been like and, uh, and why it's safe and nice for tourists to visit again. 
We're joined today by Mass Matthiasen. He's a Danish citizen who's lived and worked in Nepal for more than a decade. He joined us a while back after the earthquake, and he joins us again to tell us about the scene in Nepal now. He's the owner of Himalayan Trails, and he's in Australia. Welcome to the show, Mass. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me. Yeah, so what are you doing in Australia? Well, um, we moved back here to uh, our son is four and a half and he's going to okay. go to school from January. So we moved back here for his schooling primarily. Okay, but from there, you're still operating uh, your business in Nepal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, still still going strong with the business in Nepal. And, and yeah, it's just moved the office a little bit. Okay, cool. So, so that's a bit of a commute. Uh, do, you just, <laughs> do you just go when there's expeditions that you need to be involved in or do you fly back and forth regularly? I, I plan to be flying back four or five times a year. Um, it, it's not so much to be directly involved with, uh, with projects there. It's more to just work with the team still. Uh, they're more than capable of handling all our operations without me. So that's, that's great. Okay, very good. Well, um, my wife and I came and saw you guys in December. She had never been to Nepal and we decided, you know, after our last episode, I think the main sort of impression and idea was that this, the best thing you can do to help is to go to Nepal. So we thought it'd be the, the thing to do. So Mass, since the earthquakes, how have recovery efforts been going? I mean, we've read it a lot in the news that the government's been very slow. How do you see recovery efforts having gone down? Well, I mean, what you've read is absolutely true. There's mm -hmm. not been much help from the government, uh, to say the least. But but people themselves are, are doing what what you know you can imagine their grandfathers would have done and their great grandfathers when this happened, you know, hundred and two hundred years ago. They're rebuilding their lives, rebuilding their own houses. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, outside help to rebuilt schools and also you know some some homes but yeah mainly schools which i think is a, is a good uh, place that that people have focused to to quickly rebuild hmm. so it sounds like the people are pretty resilient uh, the culture is probably somewhat accustomed to having disasters like that so you find that people are adjusting quite well to it despite the fact that it definitely did negatively impact their lives it, it most certainly did and i would i would say this you know different areas adjust better than others you know you can you can imagine a country like nepal where many valleys have for centuries basically been, been almost isolated uh, from the outside world because there was no roads there was only walking trails and these communities have just been you know relying on themselves for for centuries to to get things done and the these places recover much better in a situation like this because they still have that community that can pull together and, and help each other. Hmm. So, Mass, um, what traditionally popular areas to travel and track are still no-go zones at the moment? I, there's, there's basically no no-go zones anymore. Langtang is uh, now trackable again with limited uh, tea house facilities. Oh, okay. And, and obviously, um, you know, stops are a little bit in different places than they used to be. Uh, mm -hmm. But but we're encouraging people to go back up there now because the locals are saying yes, please come. Um, hmm. Because yeah, they're trying to rebuild uh, the tourism income in in that valley. So so yeah, we can't all go um, today or tomorrow because yeah, as I say, there's limited uh, facilities still. But slowly, slowly, uh, they'll build more. 
Hey, you know, like when we had the tsunami 10 years ago, I remember going down south uh, here in Thailand uh, one year after the tsunami. And if you had never been there before, you wouldn't have known that it had even occurred. So for people who were to go to Nepal now, do you think that they would notice that this happened a year ago? Or do you think that, you know, for the most part, everything is kind of operating normally from a tourist perspective? You can you can go many places in Nepal where you wouldn't notice Um you can be in places in Kathmandu where you absolutely wouldn't notice. There's still, you know, some of the heritage sites are badly damaged, others aren't. But yeah, you would definitely, if, if you do like the full sightseeing of Kathmandu, you will notice. And in a lot of the, the outlying districts, in, in these harder hit districts, you, you will notice wherever you go. Uh, but it's not, you know, it's not like it was a year ago. There are houses back up and people are rebuilding their lives. So um, you'll notice, but it won't be all misery. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of one of my big surprises in December is we spent a lot of time in Patan and Kathmandu is, I mean, it's a city, it's beautiful, but there's a lot of kind of stuff falling apart anyway. And outside of some of the main stupas in the, in the Durbar squares and that, I wouldn't have really... <laughs> been challenged to notice that there had been an earthquake so what you're saying is is definitely that i mean there is everything's there the hotels are still fine the sites are still fine there's no reason not to go is that right that's absolutely correct yeah um hotels are fine obviously there's there's you know a few that have closed and and they should probably have condemned those buildings anyway um, <laughs> so well, you know um but but all the good hotels are up and running and have, have been deemed safe um, so so that's the good news. There's so much to see, and and you know, like having a, a rebuild in in some of the heritage sites is actually an opportunity to learn and and to see the skills that uh, that have been kept alive through these events for for centuries. And and you know, it's it's the grandsons of the uh, people who rebuilt last time who are now involved in the rebuild, or you know, or the fathers, or you know, like it. it it, you know, it goes through generations and, and the skills have been kept alive and here's, here's a real opportunity to see it out uh, at work, basically, the, the, the skills. That, that's interesting. So, in effect, the earthquake is keeping those skills alive because now this new generation is going to learn like the artisanal skills of, of you know, bricklaying or whatever it is that they built some of these landmarks out of, right? Absolutely. The wood carving... Uh, the, the stone carving, the, yeah, the, the rebuild, uh, the whole construction process of some of the temples will now be hands-on taught uh, to a new generation. And we can get a glimpse of that as well and learn a lot. Okay. The other thing I, you mentioned was uh, about safety. And I, I think maybe almost, would it, do you think it's almost safer to travel now? Of course, you can't predict if there's another earthquake, but some of the unsafe hotels were destroyed so maybe now they're rebuilding with a little bit more safety consciousness involved would you say that because people maybe are like afraid to go because well what if there's another earthquake but but maybe it's better now i don't know Uh, it's better in the way that uh, you know you can now choose a hotel that's been deemed safe after the earthquake and and know that it has withstood one earthquake and therefore probably is is well constructed um i wouldn't say that 
construction standards, I, I wouldn't trust that they have improved much. No. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, you know, to go back to the artisan factors, having been there a lot, there's obviously a lot of wood, intricate wood frames around windows and doors. And you've taken me out on some outings with experts who talk about trying to pass down these skills from one generation to another. So it's kind of neat that you actually mentioned that this is an opportunity for younger generations to sort of start, you know, making sure they, they keep these traditions up. So do you think you're going to see a rise in those kind of intricate skills? Uh, there's certainly, you know, jobs if people want them. And I think there has been uh, more people involved and employed in, in, in that now because, you know, for the woodcarvers, this is not just, you know, this year, next year. It's for the next century, basically, um, mm -hmm. that there's work. Because, you know, like I visited... Like a few weeks after the earthquake, I went with a, a team of people and we went to one of the woodcarvers that were now going to be working on the reconstruction. And there he was uh, making wooden frames, door frames, as you say, windows, struts, all of that with, with carvings for a temple that fell in 1934. In, oh, wow. In, <laughs> so, so, you know, there's, there's work for a That's long cool. time and for a lot of people. Huh, very neat. You know, I've seen in the news uh, a lot lately. I mean, Prince Harry was there. I know that they actually filmed some of the upcoming Marvel movie, Doctor Strange. Do you think big, you know, kind of PR initiatives like this really help? Oh, absolutely. Uh, what the, the, the visit by Prince Harry, I would say you can't put a value on. Um, certainly not in, in, you know, the UK market and anywhere that, that follows the the, the royal family from there like there was so much attention on it and, and he did it really well like he he really uh, put a lot of attention on on the fact that he was there to try and help get tourists back hmm that's cool um, I remember you know I haven't seen any of the, the, the stuff about Prince Harry and I didn't know about the Doctor Strange film so that's yeah, great yeah. now when I watch it I'll be like hey did you know that that was filmed in Nepal um, <laughs> But last time when we spoke, I, I didn't know a lot about Nepal previous to our conversation and just understanding about how diverse the geography and the, and the land and the different activities you could do uh, were. Do you, do you think that's changed, like what there is to do or where there is to go now? Or do you think, like, what would you recommend or like the best areas to go now? Or, or is it still pretty much the same? It's, it's pretty much the same as, 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 as of like last time, there's some areas that are harder hit and, and still, you know, struggling to rebuild the facilities, but they're basically all open for trekking again, uh, but can only take limited numbers. And then there's all the areas that, that we talked about also last time, like Everest, Annapurna, um, even the whole of Western Nepal wasn't even touched. You know, there's all of these areas that, that you know, are open for business as they were before. So even maybe where some tea houses got wiped out, I mean, there is the option to still take tents and go trekking or take a fully supported crew and, and, and cook for you and stuff, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, that is, uh, and, and, you know, a possibility anywhere where and we do this a lot, where there's lots of areas that don't have tea houses. So it's something that we're very used to doing, as you know, because I know you've been on a few of these uh, tent tricks. Yeah. 
You know, I, I was also thinking that when we did this last year, we wanted to encourage people to, to continue traveling to Nepal. Um, and, and from my perspective, I, I always think, you know, a lot of the country is still OK. Um, it's a great time to visit now because less people are going to go. Um, did you find that? Did tourist numbers drop off a bit? Were, were people getting like a, a, a better experience because there was fewer tourists there? Or, or did tourists just continue to come because they wanted to help or just because they love Nepal and want to go there? No, there's been a, a massive drop, um, like, you know, probably down to about a third of the, the normal in, in, in last autumn and, and this last spring that's just the spring season that's just finished. Um, wow. Spring spring came good sort of late. There was a lot of last minute bookings, but it's all individual travelers. Uh, whereas before, a lot of the business was groups from, from travel agencies abroad. And that's the, the market that is, is yet to be regained. Um, yeah, so, some, some trails will have been nicer to been on, been on the last few months and the last two seasons, like in the Everest region, uh, because there have been less people. But having said that, I don't think there's, you know, you don't get a bad experience going to Nepal, even in the busiest season because it, it's a big place. It, it doesn't look like a big country, but there's a, a lot of valleys. There's a lot of places you can go. You've, you've just got to maybe go off the beaten path a little bit. Right. And even tourist arrivals in the busiest year are still pretty low compared to some big tourist countries anyway. So Mass, I know you spend a lot of time when you're there, like not just in, in the big cities. So what, what is the sentiment among people who rely on tourism for their livelihoods? I... You know, I, I think there, there's uh, a lot of hope. This, this last season, we've seen a lot of uh, people come back. So I think there's hope. Uh, I know from the industry that, that you know, pre-bookings for autumn are looking good. Uh, mm. so, so we're all hoping there's, there's you know, there's, there's new markets like the Chinese market has not recovered yet and is not likely to recover even by autumn and that's that's a big hit because that had quite quickly become a, a big market yeah so on that note who is coming like i mean what nations have really trailed off and reduced their traveling numbers and and what nationalities have maybe kind of continued to come and are there certain nationalities that have even started to come more oh that, that's a hard one to i think okay. everyone everyone stopped uh, coming basically <laughs> It's to the same degree, except for a few nations, maybe like China, that basically said, no, you can't travel there at the moment. Um, oh, and, and then, you know, probably there are, there are markets that are more sensitive to, you know, perceived danger than others, um, like the U.S. market, for example. They, 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 there's been a significant drop there and maybe not as quick a recovery. But it's also segments of business, you know, like the... The bus tours from Europe, the, the cultural tours is almost completely gone because, you know, they deem it not safe to be there now. And it's, it's much harder to get that segment to come back than it is with the more adventurers, mountain bikers and trekkers and climbers. So, you know, when we're talking about tourism dropping off and whatnot, 
when the earthquake occurred, it was all over the news. Um, everybody was aware of it. Um, people donated money. Um, but on the, the downside, people stopped traveling there. Now, a year later, I think, uh, you know, most people have kind of moved on and they might have even forgotten that an earthquake occurred there a year ago. So I would say the average traveler probably is like, ooh, let's go to Nepal because they don't remember. Whereas you're saying like these tour groups, it, it's harder to get them back because they seem to have moved on to maybe other destinations. But, but I know that even a year later, like areas that are hit by catastrophes still need money and, and they still need assistance. So do you think that people should be donating money and, and who they should donate it to to help with the reconstruction? Or do you think that people just need to start coming back as tourists to try and regenerate that aspect of the economy? Mostly add a proven track record and, and see that people have actually been doing something with the money they have already received and, and give it to organizations like that but yeah the, one of the biggest help you could you could do is, is to come back as a visitor spend money uh, make sure that people have a job to rebuild their own lives as when we talked about the, the the efforts from the government side has maybe been not quite good enough uh, it's it's important that people have an income so they can they can rebuild it from their own side Neat. Well, Mass, I'm going to put you on the spot here and uh, ask you a question that I hate when people ask me. But uh, if you had to plan a dream trip for a first-time traveler to Nepal, what would it be? Well, it would be about six months and uh, maybe <laughs> too long for this show. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah look, um, one trip to Nepal. I mean, you've, you've, you've got a few uh, things that people do really want to tick the boxes up and it, it's you know like Kathmandu's heritage you must see um, I think you have to go trekking also when you come okay. to Nepal the first time just even if you're not into trekking you need to get into the mountains at least and, and see that side of Nepal so whether you're active or not get up into the mountains and get close to them and there's a number of different ways you can do that and then right. I, I think the jungles of the south are really exciting like the, we have tigers and we have rhinos in, in the national parks in the south. Uh, I've, I've just been on a, on a tiger hunt, so to speak, myself with 17 photographers uh, taking photographs out in Badia in western Nepal of tigers. Oh, cool. And we, uh, yeah, we, we uh, spotted a lot of tigers and got a lot of good photographs. So, so I mean, those are the things. There's this, you know, the... the the big cities and, and the heritage there, there's the mountains you must go to, but I also think it's really valuable to go to the lowlands and so you get a broad spectrum of what's there to see in the, in the trip. Wow. Well, you know, I, again, have always wanted to go and uh, every time we talk to you, it, 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 makes me want to go more just because it does sound like there's some great things to do. I love the mountains and I love the jungle and the diversity of Nepal just sounds great. And again, I like going to places when they're off peak. So, I mean, the fact that there's fewer tourists still going encourages me to want to go there more. So I hope that that rubs off on some of our listeners. Yeah, thanks, Matt. We appreciate, uh, I mean, the last time you joined us was, I think you were literally living in a tent outside your house, but things have calmed down a bit, and we really appreciate you sharing your perspective and stories with us. So uh, you'll see me back there again someday, and uh, I'm sure you're bound for Nepalese soil soon. So thanks very much for uh, sharing your insight and joining us. No, thank you for having me, and uh, yeah, talk to you anytime if you want to talk to me. Okay, great. <laughs> thanks.
Well, it was great to have Matt's on the, the show again. You know, like I just said to him, uh, I'd love to go there. And he's definitely painted a good picture of the country. And, and it's really sad when these types of things happen uh, to different parts of the world. But it sounds like they're, they're a very resilient people that have dealt with this type of catastrophe for centuries. And it's good to hear that at least something good is coming out of it with the, the younger generation learning some of these artisanal skills. Yeah, you know, the thing about Mass, I've known him a long, long time, and he is a he's a smooth operator, meaning like he's safe, he's responsible. So anytime I've done stuff with him there, like he'll encourage you to be adventurous and have fun, but he always has safety in mind. So when he's told me like do something or don't something, don't do something, I, I believe it, right? And so when he says, Yeah, you should go back and yeah, most of these areas are open, like that, that's the real deal. And so it is good to hear that, like, I'm very surprised at Langtang, which is a trekking area north of Kathmandu that I wanted to go to back in December when my wife and I were planning our trip to go there. It was like, don't go there. And now already it is an area that you can go in in a different way. But yeah, it's it's good to hear that, you know, there's it's safe to go and that people still should go. And he's clearly very passionate about it, too. Yeah. And, you know, again, the fact that there's less tour groups going, that's, yeah. that's a, an attraction for me. Um, again, it's probably bad for the people who rely on that business. Um, but at the same time, as an individual traveler, if you're going to see less tour groups, mm. that's a good thing. Like I would say go now before they all start coming back. Yeah, well, the next peak season is sort of October, November. So things are only going to get busy after then. So I'd say if you can or anybody that's listening has not been to Nepal, definitely try and get there this coming October, November 2016. Yeah, so check our show notes out. We have a link to Himalayan Trails, which is an outfit that can set you up, uh, safety and tiger hunting and with cameras yes with cameras (laughs) and uh i you know i he just invited me to to come and visit anytime and uh, i I really hope i can do so cool well thanks for uh joining us for this episode of talk travel asia i'll hand it off to trevor to talk you out yes thanks everyone for joining us once again uh, we'll be back in two weeks where scott and i are giving our insight on some other aspect of traveling in asia Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Everest?